Well, 2020 hasn't offered us, you know, much of anything good this year. But if there's one thing it's done, it's given us some of the most exciting college football games that or one of the most exciting college football seasons I've seen in a long time. The Blue Bloods are back to recap an explosive and exciting week six of college football. We actually are bringing three segments today. We're up in the ante this episode, and we're going to kick it off with Pick 6 Recap, in which we're going to recap the six biggest and best games of the weekend. And then we're going to go over, break down some of the SEC madness, which gave two teams some struggle wins and offered two huge upsets in the SEC. We're then going to wrap up the show with a revamped Heisman Watch segment where we're going to tell you whether current Heisman contenders are contenders or are they actually just pretenders right now? We have a full show today, guys, so let's go ahead and kick this off. Week six, man, it did it deliver some excitement, some huge performances, and some amazing upsets. So we're here with Pick Six Recap. In case you're new, Brandon and I pick on our uh, preview episode six of the biggest and best games of the weekend. We're gonna we break those down, but we're gonna re-break those down after some of these games turned out very different than what we thought, um, especially down there on uh, Kyle Field where. We had a, one of the biggest upsets of the season. But, B-Dub, let's go ahead kick this off. We go down to the Cotton Bowl in which the Oklahoma Sooners pulled off a huge overtime win and probably the best game of the year right now, Brandon. They they beat the Texas Longhorns. They best Sam Ellinger somehow when he seemed to be like a creative player in NCAA. You won this game. You picked Oklahoma. How did they pull this off, Brandon? Uh I honestly don't know. First and foremost, though, I'd like to uh, give myself a shout out here because I said you could have made this over under 90 and it would have hit. And well, look where we're at now, 98 points. So I might have only won one of my gambling picks this weekend, but this is the one I was I was confident. in, And here we are. Um, I don't know, Zach, because this game was just a roller coaster. I mean, you saw it. It was on at the same time as the LSU game was. But, you know, I, I didn't mind turning the LSU game off for a little while. To, to watch this game. Um, like you said, the most probably the most entertaining game of the season to this point. Um, I mean, it went from Oklahoma's low of benching Spencer Rattler in the first half to somehow coming back. And, I mean, he just performed insanely well in overtime, didn't he? Yeah, I, I think he – I don't know if you could say he had the best performances. I mean, from the fourth quarter onward, man, I don't – I think Sam Ellinger was unconscious – playing down the stretch. I mean, I was watching this like, who is this kid? I mean, he was he was out there looking like, I mean, I'm not saying he's this caliber of player, but Brandon, he was out there looking like Tim Tebow. He was just taking the ball and running over defensive ends for no reason. Yeah, it, I, I don't I don't understand why he was doing that. And I mean, he, apparently he's got some moves because it, it was like a, I can't remember how many yards the touchdown was, that rushing touchdown in overtime where he just took it on the first play. Yeah, it, to the house. Uh, yeah, it was um, – they take it from the 25-yard line. So it was a 25-yard run where – Oh, that does make juking, sense. 
Yeah, he's juking DBs, running over linebackers. I mean, Brandon, I know Oklahoma won this game, but I think I think the MVP of the game is still Sam Ellinger. I, I can't believe that the Longhorn defense let him down. I mean, he had almost 300 yards passing, two passing touchdowns. He did have two costly interceptions, but the one in overtime, I, I want to come back to that one because th- th- I got some questions. I think the refs saw what happened to Oklahoma last week. That could have been a pass interference. It looked like that kid was held going to the back of the end zone. But, Brandon, this is the craziest stat. He rushed for 112 yards and four rushing touchdowns. Yeah, so Texas found out the rushing game, apparently. Yeah, and it's him. And I'll get to the rushing game in a minute because I got a bone to pick with Keontae Ingram and Bajan Robinson. Uh, but, Brandon, they were down 31-17 to with three minutes left. And Ellinger just, like I said, blacked out and – just led this Longhorns team down the field. But, Brandon, throwing the ball 20-plus yards down the field, Ellinger was 0 for 11 in this game. And that's something that, going into this game, I would have never thought I would have seen because Ellinger, that's usually his strength is passing the ball down the field. Right. Uh, And and 10-plus yards down the field, Brandon, he was 50%, 60 yards in a pick. Not a good look. And that pick was the one in, in, in overtime. But, Brady, you said Spencer Rattler, he struggled early, got benched for uh, Tanner Mordecai. But in overtime, he made the plays. I mean, the costly interception, he had 50 yards rushing, 200 yards passing, four total touchdowns. It wasn't amazing, but I think Rattler showed that he can make the plays in clutch situations to win big games because for Oklahoma, there's no bigger game than the Red River Showdown. No, and I mean for a struggling Oklahoma team who started out the season one and two, you know they hadn't won a game in the Big Twelve, right? Um, you know to come into this game to beat their biggest rival uh, in Texas, you know one of the, I guess what is it one of the three ranked teams in the Big Twelve right now? Um, yeah, to beat them in Dallas, I mean that's that's saying something. I mean that's a statement win, whether you like it or not. I understand Texas might not be great, and now neither one of these teams in the top twenty-five, which is bananas. But uh, I mean they, they won this game, and, and honestly, this could be kind of a spark for Oklahoma. We might see them perform a little bit better after today. I, I think so. And Brandon, the key here, I think Texas laid out the game plan against Oklahoma. If you can pressure Spencer Rattler, you're going to win the game. Yeah, he's, he's got to get comfortable back there. He doesn't look very comfortable at all. No, he had 20. His, his completion percentage dropped to 20% under pressure, and he only threw for 11 yards. Right. And he got pressured. But the Longhorns have no defensive line. They only generated one quarterback hurry and one sack. Which is, I mean, insane. You got to do something. That's horrible. That's horrible. And, and I am interested to see, did Radler do enough to keep his job moving forward? But – I want to say this, even if he doesn't or he does, whatever you want to say, I think the pressure is on for Spencer Rattler because now he knows that if he doesn't live up to what he should be doing, live up to his hype, he knows Lincoln Rowley will pull him immediately. Yeah, he will. That's got to to have him looking over his shoulder a little bit. So you wonder, is he going to be able to – like, is that pressure going to make him – play worse? Is he going to step up and play better to keep his job? I mean, it makes it, it opens up a whole lot of questions for me. Yeah, and, and honestly the one thing I couldn't stop thinking during this entire game, you know, especially after they pulled him in, in the first half was, man, Caleb Williams is coming to this Oklahoma team next season. I mean, Tanner Mordecai yeah. might not be like a long-term solution, but 
Caleb Williams looks like the real deal, and I don't know. Uh, I feel like Spencer Rattler is going to be uh, playing for his job coming up soon. Yeah, and, and Oklahoma, they don't waste time. If you're a quarterback and you can't perform, then go ahead and transfer. Uh, the, the Lincoln Riley is not going to cost himself his job. And, you know, I want to get to Keontae Ingram and, you know, Bajan Robinson, Brandon. They should spend the week apologizing to Sam Ellinger for their pitiful uh, performances. Mm, wrong. Keontae Ingram, I thought, had a, had a decent game. They didn't hand him the ball. He got the ball three times, Zach. I mean, they walk us on like his second carry. He fumbled without like barely being touched. Okay, but other than that, I mean, it, it was it was like his fourth fumble in like the last like six carries. Dude, both of these running backs, their longest run was more than half their yards, and they had eight combined touches. I yeah, mean, eight, I mean, Kendrick averaged five yards a carry because he only had three touches. Well, they just feel like they can't trust him. Look what he did down the stretch. He calls them the game last week against TCU. Right. And he didn't have a good game against Texas Tech. And, you know, for being a five-star, can we say Robinson has lived up to that? No, I mean, I don't know. Well, I'll stick to to my guns. I'll stick to what what I've been saying in that we didn't see that. Like, we didn't see the opportunity. There was no opportunity. When you pass the ball 53 times, you can't blame a game on the running. You can't blame the game on the running back. I don't. I, I just. I feel like they just haven't done enough to show that they can be trusted. So, if I'm Texas and I'm getting down and Oklahoma's up ten nothing, I'm putting the ball in Sam Ellinger's hand over Keontae Ingram. Uh, it depends. It depends on the Sam Ellinger we get. Are we getting first half Sam Ellinger? Because I'm handing the ball off every single time if that's what we're getting. I don't know. Uh, second half Sam Ellinger though deserves the ball every single time. That yeah. that, that that dude looked like I don't even know. Like that was a grown man out there dominating this Oklahoma defense. I, I've never seen Sam Ellinger play better down the stretch than he did this weekend. And it, it sucks that he lost the game because I thought he deserved it. I thought he played well enough down this. In overtime, when they got the ball, I had no doubt that they were going to score, Brandon. I was like, just run QB power each side. Just repeat it. Alternate left and right, and you're going to score eventually because they can't stop them. They had no answer for Sam Ellinger. And, Brandon, you know, you called me out in the preview episode – what did I call for for them running in the uh, red zone? Uh, I I don't remember. Uh, I called for Sam Ellinger taking the ball. I was like, why aren't they running quarterback power? And you said, well, they can't get him hurt. Oh, but, yeah, that's you true. Know, when he's doing this, you got to risk that. I'm sorry. The, the, the reward is there. you got to give this guy the ball. And, Brandon, you're looking at two coaches now and Tom Herman and Lincoln Riley, whose seats are warming a little bit. I think Tom Herman's is on fire. Compared to Lincoln Riley's right now, it should be. And he's only beat Oklahoma you know, one time in his five seasons. <laughs> yeah, and they fired Charlie Strong immediately after not beating them in his first three tries. Right. And he had one I, in his three tries, he was one and two. Tom yeah, one yeah. And <laughs> uh, it's the Jim Harbaugh effect, but um, you know he's probably going to be looking for a new job. He can't turn this around and. You know, it was funny. I got a text during this game that was like, do you think Lincoln Riley wishes he took the Cowboys job when he had the chance now? Probably. And, and I don't know. That Cowboys defense is pretty bad. I, uh, when we were recording this episode, the Giants were driving on him about the score to take the lead. So I don't know uh, if that would have been the best job. Uh, it looks like, Lincoln, looks like Lincoln Riley performs pretty well in Dallas. So maybe maybe he would have done that's something. True. That's true. But listen, guys, Texas gets a bye week before hosting the Baylor Bears in a big 
uh, Big 12 matchup, while the Sooners also have a bye week before heading back to Texas to take on TCU in another huge Big 12 matchup. The Big 12 is up in the air. If, if Oklahoma State can't go undefeated, Brandon, the playoff hopes are dead in the Big 12 because I believe the only other ranked team is Iowa State right now, and I think they're outside the top 20. So the Big 12, their playoff hopes are looking bleak. But, Brandon, let's, let's stay in Texas here. There is a Texas team who got a win. It's the number 21 Texas A&M Aggies upsetting the number four Florida Gators, 41-38 to on a last-second field goal. Brandon, Jimbo Fisher finally gets it done. Your thoughts here? Because uh, I don't think anyone thought this was coming. No, well, didn't you pick Texas A&M? No, you didn't. I, nope. No, someone did. We we know we probably know someone who did. Um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah um, do. I don't know, man. Uh, it surprised. It shocked me. I, I I thought I'm pretty sure we can like rewind the tapes back to the preview episode, and you could hear me saying this game's gonna be a blowout, and Florida was going to be on the winning side of this one. So uh, I guess the only thing I have to say is that Todd Grantham maybe should be fired, and the entire defense maybe should also be fired. I'm not sure what was going on on the defensive side so, of the ball for Florida. Todd. Todd Grantham should be put on the same plane as Bo Pelini and just flown to another country and never be allowed to coach ever again. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, no, I hope nothing bad happens on that plane. I hope they're just taken somewhere to where they can't coach football in the SEC anymore. Like, that, that should be illegal. Oh, man. I, I I can't believe this right now. I mean, I think this is – this was – Okay, like, I get it. I, the LSU upset week one was big. I, I know we've had some big upsets, but, Brandon, I think this, for me at least, because of how high I was on Florida and how much I didn't believe in Texas A&M, I think this was the biggest upset of the year right now. Uh, yeah. I, I really can't. I mean, LSU had a lot of losses coming in. You know, we had Mike Leach's offense, but I did not think this could happen. And and especially with Kellen Mond as the quarterback, and this A&M defense looking weak like they were last week, and Florida may have one of the best offenses in the country, but this this defense is god awful, and I I can't believe the Aggies. This is how they break through. But let's talk about the quarterbacks here, Brandon. I mean, Kellen Mond and Kyle Trask both played outstanding, and Brandon, this is the Kellen Mond that we talked about last year on this podcast, where we were saying he's one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. He finally played up to his potential, and we see what this Aggies team could do when he lives up to his hype. And, man, it's impressive. I mean, th- this kid went 25 for 35 passing, 340 yards, three touchdowns. And, and I mean, he-, he was playing lights out all game long. It's not like he had a good half or a good quarter. He had the entire game where he was just going off. Yeah, I, he had, what, 338 passing yards, three touchdowns, no turnovers. And, Brandon, his play – when the Florida Gators blitzed him is what won this game. Because Florida has had a lot of problems not generating any pressure with their defensive line. And when they blitzed Kellen Mond, he, his completion percentage was 76.5%. He threw for 157 yards in a touchdown and, and graded out over an 84 by pro football focus. So he was elite in that department. And then, Brandon, we talked about you know him throwing between the numbers last week at Alabama. This week, he was 19 for 22, 275 yards and three touchdowns between the numbers. Right. Oh, man. Uh, and look, we can't, we can't even give all the credit to just the quarterbacks here. We, I mean, can we talk about Isaiah Spiller for a second? Because the uh, re- rebounded, 
better than I think anybody could have ever hoped after his abysmal performance against Alabama last week. I mean, we tried to ruin this kid's whole career last week on the show, and then he comes back. He's like, oh, really? Is that is that how you want to talk about me? And then he went off for 174 rushing yards. I mean, two touchdowns. I mean, he, not, he was in the end zone. It's not like he just had like one ninety yard run, then everything else, you know, fell into place. No, he, his longest run was twenty three yards. So I mean, he's just pushing it down their throat every single time. Yeah, and if they play like this, if Kellen Mine shows up, if Isaiah Spiller can run the ball, if this defense can make timely stops like they did, and is easily, I think, right now, is the probably the second best team in the West, and has an argument to be a top three team in the SEC. Yeah. If they play like this, I mean, this team is good. I think this team is better than Auburn. I think this team is better than LSU. Well, I think this team is yeah. better than those two teams. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they I think they could have an argument to be better than Tennessee. I think they're right there behind Alabama and Georgia. I think Georgia and Alabama right now look like the two best teams in the SEC by a long, like a, a wide margin. And we'll get to Georgia and Alabama later, but A&M's right there, man. And if, if if they can find a way to continue this, I guess this momentum forward, A and is going to be a tough team to beat. And you know, listen, Kyle Trask he did some great things, but you know he had seventy two percent completion percentage, three hundred and twelve yards passing, four touchdowns. But Brandon inefficient under pressure, and he could not push the ball down the field. And I thought he could make a few more plays, but. That running game, Brandon, so everyone's going to blame the defense for this performance. What about the running backs? Naquan Wright, Damian Pierce, Malik Davis contributed absolutely nothing to the Gators. Um, Only Wright had over 30 yards rushing. The longest rush of the game was 11 yards by Wright. Right. And, Brandon, I I don't know how you feel about this. I want to get your opinion on this. Watching the game, I know that – the Florida Gators have a lot of talented wide receivers with a lot of, they have some depth there. Why would you not explore moving Kadarius Tony to running back? That's that, I don't know. That's, that's a good question. I think honestly, um, one of the things that lost this game for Florida was the time of possession battle. You know, they had 10 fewer minutes than, than Texas A&M did. I feel like they were kind of, uh, they they were trying to use their time on offense as wisely as they could because they knew their defense couldn't get it done. And moving him to running back seems like it's kind of a risky move, right? I, mean, I get that you might have to yeah. do it, but it seems a little risky. Yeah, no, it, it, it's a little risky, but you have no other answer, it looks like. Um, you know, yes, you had you have guys with a lot of like potential talent. You did have the transfer from Miami, Lingard. I don't know if he's even eligible. I don't know if he's hurt. That There's nothing like – I don't even think they're playing him at all. So I don't know what's up with that. But my thing is, Brandon, I, you have to do something like, yes, they have DeMarcus Bowman coming in. I don't know if we've said this on the podcast, but um, they got the transfer for Clemson, the, uh, the five-star. That's huge. Uh, that's going to be a huge, huge game for them. But right now they don't have anything else. So Tony had seven catches, 92 yards, and two touchdowns. I think he just he's going to bring a change of pace. And, yes, he might not do well running up the middle all the time, but if you get him out of space, I think Tony is the most explosive offensive option you have right now. And against teams like Georgia, you're going to have to run the ball. We saw what Tennessee did this weekend when they couldn't run the ball. They get beat. You saw what Auburn had to do when you can't run the ball. And if Georgia makes you one-dimensional, you're going to lose that game. And Florida is going to have to figure it out before they face 
Georgia, and they're going to have to figure it out against teams like LSU because LSU is going to put up points. LSU has talent on defense. You're going to have to figure it out against Tennessee. I think Kadarius Tony at running back is the move here. I know it's unconventional. I know some people aren't going to agree, but you have to find a way to help out Kyle Trask because he cannot do it all by himself. You heard it here first. Coach McKennell uh, calling for Darius <laughs> Tony to play running back in Gainesville this upcoming week yeah. at LSU. I mean, I Please. think we'd all love to see it. I, I think LSU could pull the upset real, realistically, Brandon. That's I know that sounds crazy. That's a stretch. Because I, I, I don't know if Florida's going to be able to stop them. Yeah, I mean, good offense. Definitely good offense in, in, in for the Tigers, but – Oh man, uh, that I mean, defense is going to be tough. That that defensive <laughs> performance, the, the the defense, the over under for the LSU Florida game should be set at no less than one fifty. I mean, th- this game is going to be brutal if you're a defensive uh, football fan. No, it, it will be. It's 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 going to be it's going to be a little tough, honestly. And I, I I've had nothing but good things to say about this guy. Kyle Pitts has to do more too. He does. After the first quarter, he uh, he had five catches for uh, 47 yards and a touchdown. But after the first quarter, the defense was just bracketing him, and he was non-existent. It offered a perfect game plan, and A&M doesn't have a great secondary. What's going to happen when Derek Stingley and Eli Ricks are bracketing off Kyle Pitts? The ball's not getting in there. Right. Right. It's going to be a problem. He's going to have to play better. If you're telling me – He's the best tight end in the country and a Hosman contender. He's going to have to play better against teams like Texas A&M because their secondary is not on his level. And I know that sounds tough, but if you're going to say you're the best player at a position in the country, I'm going to hold you to a higher standard. I I I 100% agree. Caleb Chapman for Texas A&M had nine catches, 150 and two touchdowns, and you're telling me Kyle Pitts got held for under 50 yards? Yeah, you can't do that. You can't. We can't do the Kyle to Kyle transfer and act like they're the best quarterback tight end duo in the history of college football, and then get and burned then by get, then get burned by a guy named Caleb Chapman. <laughs> it's bad, but guys, Florida hosts LSU next weekend. Uh, there might be a full crowd. Brandon, how do you feel about that? <laughs> bad, so bad. Oh my gosh. Oh, man. That's for the hey, preview episode, but, man, that. Yeah, hey, a full stadium will help that defense, so don't worry about that. But Texas A&M is going to travel to Starkville to take on the reeling Mississippi State Bulldogs. They are garbage. I'll, more on that maybe a little bit later. But yeah, thanks. No, I mean, they're pretty good. Yeah, they're, they're decent. But listen, <laughs> we're, headed to, we're headed to Chapel Hill, guys. We have the number eight North Carolina Tar Heels. And an explosive matchup, take the 56-45 to 45 win over Virginia Tech. Brandon, if you like points in offense, well, I hope you watch this game because offenses were abundant and the defenses were non-existent in Chapel Hill this weekend. No, yeah, I mean, I feel like this is like the no defense podcast at this point. This is this is awful. Um, uh, hey, it's okay. That's because there's a team that the last game of our segment that has enough defense for the entire country because it's unfair how good their defense is. Uh, so the over under for this game was set at fifty nine. Then North Carolina decided, you know what, let's score fifty six. <laughs> they almost scored at the end of the game. Did you see that? N- they had a not, fight. Uh, <laughs> they almost scored, and Sam Howell went to take a knee and just started running backwards and to like try to get the clock running. And they tried not to score, and so Virginia Tech started a fight, and Matt Brown almost tried to score again just just because of that. 
Uh, well, I, I can't say that I'm not a fan of that. I, I like that a lot. That, or how about you know the game later where Clipson is trying to score with third strings running hurry up with 30 seconds left. But right. we'll get to that too. But listen, Brandon, I, I'm here to say this. If Virginia Tech starts Hendon Hooker, which I am mind blown. Whoever the offensive coordinator or whoever made the decision not to start Hooker was should be fired. Why in the world did you not start hitting Hooker in this game? Because they're down seventeen or no twenty-one to nothing, and then you put Hooker in, and the game's competitive finally. And it just blows my mind. And then UNC's offense finally woke up. Um, they exploded for a record-setting performance. But Brandon, I, I need your thoughts on this. I don't think there's a team in the country that has a one-two running back punch in the country that can compete with North Carolina right now. Between this- Michael Carter and Javante Williams. These guys are legit. Yeah. I mean, Brandon, 214 yards rushing, 12.6 yards per carry, and two rushing tar- touchdowns for Carter. I mean, it, he looked great, and so did Javante Williams. I mean, it, it was – Yeah. Nuts. They they ran for – I think it was 399 yards. Yeah. No, I mean, if I – well – no, yeah, I mean we need to get better at math on the show for sure. But well, no, no, I meant like North Carolina ended up. Oh, oh yes, that's the total they rushed for. I mean, right. yeah, they put up hella numbers, man. It's stupid. But Michael Carter is a unit, man. Listen, I I don't know how he's built like that and can do this, Brandon. He all his yards to the A and B gap against Virginia Tech. The A and B gap, Brandon. He has six carries, hundred and twenty-seven yards, and two touchdowns right up the middle. He said, you know what? I'm not even going to try to run around you. I'm going through you. You want to know why? Because Javante Williams does that. Brandon, off tackle and off the edge. Williams had seven carries, 114, and a touchdown. You know, I, I I can't help but feel like against a better defense, maybe a defense that's even slightly better than Virginia Tech, um, they won't be able to do that because they're going to know which running back is running where. Yeah. Well, hey, don't. Hey, it's okay. Javante Williams' other touchdown came through the A gap. So you're good. They, they, they have the versatility. I just don't understand how both of these running backs are so overlooked. Right. They, they are two of the best running backs in the country. I mean, they're putting up outstanding numbers. And Brandon, it, I think the reason they had such an explosive day is because Daz Newsom finally decided to suit up for the Tar Heels. That's and, true. And, and Sam Howell decided not to throw an interception this week. Shockingly. Very, I don't know how that happened. He, he's, uh, he's no longer the James Winston ratio, which is good for him. Yeah, good for him. But listen, Newsom exploded back on the scene. Seven catches, 69 yards, and a touchdown. Brandon, he more than doubled his production for the season in this game. I mean, very good. He also had a six-yard rush. Kind of cool. Yeah, there you go. And listen, Howell played his best game of the season, in my opinion, which I guess isn't saying much. I don't think he's played very well this season. But 78% completion percentage, Brandon, 257, three touchdowns, no turnovers. I mean – No turnovers for either team, which is crazy. I don't know. I've never seen a game that was 56-45 where no one had a turnover. That that, That shouldn't be allowed. Right. I, I have some questions. <laughs> Where are we? What, what's going on? Uh, this, is, this is just fundamental football is what it is. Right? Brandon, 20-plus yards down the field for Sam Howell, 93 PFF grade, and he was 2-for-2, two two, 80 yards and two touchdowns. Right. That's a problem. Virginia Tech, where are your safeties? Are you kidding at? me? Where are they at? But, you know, I think – 
Brandon, how will finally show what he can do when he's not running for his life on every play? Virginia Tech only pressured Howell on three plays this this game, Brandon. So that that shows that if you don't you if you can't pressure this offense, they're going to eat you alive. I mean, we said it before. Um, there was no defense to be seen. Like no, we haven't talked about a game with defense whatsoever today. No, well, hey, but we saved them for last. The last two games we got to cover here. Get, they got plenty of defense, but Brandon. Virginia Tech, just like Texas, could not pressure Howell with just their D line. When they blitzed Howell, he hit, he threw for one thirteen in a touchdown and had a seventy seven percent completion percentage. Right. So that shows if you're taking a defender away to get to Sam Howell, you're going to have to pay. And Brandon, that just shows this offensive line is the key to this team. If the offensive line can play well, this team is really good. But uh, the problem is, I don't know if they're going to be able to beat some of the elite teams in the ACC because that offensive line is going to have to face some stout competition at the top of this conference. Yeah, absolutely. But, Brandon, I think, you know, on the other side, I think we have to talk about Khalil Herbert. I think he is a by far and away the, the best candidate for most improved, most improved player of the year. Yeah, he, well, he had like a 50-yard touchdown. Yeah, he did, and he had 18 carries, 138, and two touchdowns, and he was the cog for this offense while Hooker and the rest of these guys were out with COVID. And this was the first game where Virginia Tech was missing less than 10 players due to COVID. Very good. Proud. Yeah, and all of them came on defense, which is probably evident of the 56 points that they gave up. But <laughs> Hendon Hooker came in. I thought he played very well, Brandon, for his first start of the year. I mean, 136 passing, two passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown. He looked rusty early, but, man, once it clicked in the third quarter, the Hokies never looked back. They outscored UNC 23-7 in that quarter. And I expect Hooker to help the Hokies win some games down the stretch this year, Brandon. I don't think Virginia Tech should have to hold their head down about anything. I think this team's good. I think this team's had some bad breaks with injuries, COVID, and et cetera. But I think for the foreseeable future, this Virginia Tech team's going to be a force in the ACC. Yeah, I mean, they might be. I've already called them frauds, so I can't I can't back down from that now, Zach. But, yeah. <laughs> but guys, Virginia Tech hosts a talented Boston College team next weekend, which is playing really well lately. Uh, while UNC travels down to Tallahassee to face a Florida State team with more problems than they probably have talented players. So that one should be a good one. But we're going to move back to the SEC right now. We're going down to Athens, Georgia again where the Georgia Bulldogs pulled out a 44-21 win over the Tennessee Volunteers. And I want to say this first, Brandon, before I get to you. Don't let the final score confuse you guys, because Tennessee was winning in the first half and was holding it down early. But 27-0, you know, Bulldogs run in the second half really put this game away. So, Brandon, what did you see, and what do you think about these two teams' performances? I thought this this Georgia defense really, really stepped up in the second half, obviously. Um, and I've heard people call them the best defense in the country. So, I, I, I have them a second. I think there's there's a team we're going to cover next that's first. I oh think this team's God. easily second. Yeah, for sure. It's not, not the best, but for sure up there, I would say. Um, Man, this is it's so unfair. We'll talk about it for the, with the next game, I guess, but it's so unfair. Um, <laughs> Is I mean, but Brandon Stinson Bennett, I don't think you can say enough about this kid. Like, I know he's not flashy, but so he, boring, I, actually. Yeah, he's boring, but man, this dude's a robot. I, I swear, he's programmed to not turn the ball over and keep the offense moving. I mean, Brandon, zero turnovers in two straight weeks against top 15 teams. 
Yeah, he's the Zuckerberg of college football. Hey, guess what? He's winning. And, you know, sixty another 60% completion percentage game, two, 240 yards, two touchdowns. And, you know, it, this is the recipe, Brandon. Get the ball in the playmaker's hands. Don't turn the ball over and keep the offense on schedule. If he does those three things, Georgia might might win every game if he can do that. Yeah. That's how good this Georgia team is. And, listen, Bennett's the quarterback they've needed all along. Jacob, Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, they, they weren't it. Stinson Bennett is the quarterback they need right now, and it's a shame that, that it took this long to figure it out, Brandon, because this kid is playing really good football. And, yeah, you might say he's boring. We're going to find out how good he is next week. Yeah, you know, we are. It, it, and how about the bad luck for poor Stinson Bennett? You get number eight Auburn or number seven Auburn, you get number 14 Tennessee, and then you get number two Alabama on the road. Can this kid get a breath by I chance? Guess, I guess not. I mean, someone needs to save this poor kid. But listen, I, Brandon, I don't think Jared Garantano did a bad job this weekend. No. I, I thought he played really well, and I just don't think he had enough help to knock off a team of you know Georgia's caliber. If that makes sense, I just think I think that overall the team's really good, but I just think I, I don't think the offensive line was ready for what this Georgia defense was going to throw at it. Right, I agree. Uh, I mean, he had two fifteen passing, um, two touchdowns, and interception. Uh, the O line dominated in the second half. Uh, five sacks, three quarterback hurries, but and under pressure. We saw it last week with Bo Nix. We see it this week. When the Bulldogs get pressure, bad things happen. Garantano was 37% completion percentage, 31 yards and a pick. That's exactly what Bo Nix put up last week. That's um, it, to, to beat this Bulldogs defense, you're going to have to be calm under pressure. You're going to have to make good decisions under pressure. Because, Brandon, I don't know if you feel the same way. I just I think this Georgia team is going to get to every quarterback they play. And to beat them, it's just going to take a quarterback to stay calm under pressure. And – Looking at their schedule, I think there's really only two, maybe three quarterbacks that can do that on their schedule. Yeah, well, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna come up to it this next week. Um, yeah, that, he was one of them. He, <laughs> he he was definitely one of them. I think you know Miles Brennan has the potential. He's my maybe, and then I think Kyle Trask maybe as well. But I think Mac Jones is going to be the one quarterback where you're going to have to get to him really. That's that's a lot of preview stuff, guys. So I, that's our bad, but. And Aziz Ojolari is becoming a problem in the SEC. Yeah. This kid off the edge is a huge problem. Two sacks this week, two tackles for loss. And, Brandon, with him, Monty Rice, Quay Walker, and Channing Tyndale, I think this front seven can rival anybody, and that's why I have them second in the country. Those three guys, along with Ojolari, had three sacks, four tackles for loss, and a touchdown. I mean, it's it's bananas. Uh, you got to love to see it, though. And there's yeah, and some defense. Here we are. There, there you go. But, Brandon, how about that Tennessee rushing game? Because Garantano can't do it all of itself. Guys, Tennessee averaged zero yards per rush. <laughs> okay, but that, that's because Jared Garantano got sacked ten times. And he, had, oh, he didn't get sacked ten. He got sacked five and then rushed for five. Rushed five times. Okay, fine. He's still a negative 40-yard Zach. Okay, that's still not great. That's the, the longest rush of the day was eight yards by Eric Gray. Yeah. Only had 25 <laughs> yards rushing. They, yeah, it, their actual running backs averaged two yards a carry. 
There you go. Perfect. Two yards of carry is going to get you a win on the road in the SEC. But I'm really disappointed in Eric Gray. He was one of my breakout players um, in the SEC last season. He did not show up this weekend. I mean, you remember his 200-something yard performance late. I think, oh, I forget the team they were playing. It was late. I think it was late in the season for Tennessee. I think it was Missouri or something. He played well in the bowl game. You know, we had Bob Kessling on the play-by-play for Tennessee. All positive things by Eric Gray. But 3.1 yards to carry isn't going to cut it. And he's going to have to be a staple on this offense in the coming games to really help Garantano beat some of these elite teams they're going to have to face. And, Brady, I don't know about you. I think Pruitt's the perfect coach for Tennessee. I think Tennessee is going to compete in the SEC in the coming years. I think they are – they are right there on the cusp of being in that next tier for the SEC. They are. And, and I mean, they stay in this game in the second half. They don't just somehow crumble. Or I guess maybe Georgia just came out and played better in the second half. I, I mean, think that was it. And they, More so and, than anything. and they leave with a win. I mean, like you said, they were winning in the first half. I mean, if they keep up what they were doing in the first half, if Georgia plays the same way they played in the first half, I mean, we're, we're, t- we're having a whole different conversation right now. Yeah. But, and if you look at the recruiting difference, man, I mean, this game shouldn't even be close, right? I don't think I don't think Tennessee's had a top ten recruiting class in years, and Georgia's been top three for the last four, right? I mean, it's I was I was actually really proud of Tennessee for how they played. I thought they did the best they could. I mean, especially against the Georgia team, who I think is a serious national championship contender. But guys, Tennessee hosts Kentucky next week, who is looking to get back in the SEC East race after a big win this weekend, while Georgia heads heads into the matchup of the year in Tuscaloosa against number two Alabama. I think Brandon is pumped about that game. I'm pumped about that game. Next weekend is a huge weekend of college football, but let's wrap up pick six recap right here, guys. In the blowout of the weekend, I guess, number one Clemson dominates, destroys, decimates my the Miami Hurricanes 42 to 17. And Brandon, I want to start out with a hot take. I, I know that's probably not a hot thing. I'm sure you agree with me, and everyone should agree with me here. This game this weekend in Clemson, South Carolina, left no doubt in my mind, and it should not have left any bit of doubt in yours. Clemson is the best team in this country by a significant margin right now. Yeah, they are, and I, I am more than upset that Miami dropped to number 13 in the polls. You, they, they maybe should have gone up after this loss because Clemson is just that good. I, they made Miami look like an unranked team. They did, and they're going to make was, everyone. They're going to make everyone they play it going moving forward in this season look like an unranked team. I mean, they are that okay. good. Okay, so right now Notre Dame's fourth in the new AP poll that came out while we were recording. By the way, North Carolina's fifth. I think they should be twenty to twenty-eight point favorites over both of those on the road. If you want to make it on the road, right. I think that I don't think there's a team that can hang with them. And number two is Alabama. I think they should be a ten to fourteen point favorite over Alabama too. And Georgia. I think they're that good. I, Brandon, uh, listen. I know you're gonna really push back against this. If this Clemson team faced LSU last year, it would be a way closer game. I think they're that much better. Mm, I don't know. No, no comment. <laughs> Brandon's like, I'm not gonna you know take away our national championship. That's, that's all I have left, Zach. You want me to? You want me to give that up? That's true. I forgot. We're going to have to have another uh, counseling meeting for you later in the show. But, Brandon, this Clemson defense is elite. It's the best defense in the country. That's why I put Georgia at two. It made this Hurricanes offense look pedestrian at best. I mean, 
Brandon, against the number seven team in the country, they held them to nine first downs, four for 15 on third downs, and forced three turnovers for a team that didn't have an interception. Or I think they only had like two turnovers for the entire year. And he, and Derek King had two interceptions in this After one. After not throwing any for and, like a year and a half. And I'll say it. Uh, I had Trevor Lawrence throwing an interception for sure in this he game. He did not. He did not. He did not. Um, I, no comment. No comments at this time. <laughs> but they allowed only 210 yards for a team averaging over 500. Um, they forced Miami into uncomfortable positions, and Miami folded. They had 15 penalties for over 130. That undisciplined play that has kept them out of the national spotlight for years at, is, showed up again in the biggest spots. And, Brandon, I want to cover this. I, I'm a huge advanced like analytics dude. I don't know why I'm, I'm a geek. You can call me whatever. But this secondary is a problem. Uh, breaking down some of the stats for the secondary is ridiculous. Their top three corners, Brandon, are De'Aaron Kendrick, Sheridan Jones, and Andrew Booth Jr., right? All elite talents. They're going to make most quarterbacks uncomfortable. Kendrick and Jones both had interceptions last night. Brandon, listen to these stats for these three cornerbacks. For Kendrick, four targets allow zero catches. Right. Booth, one catch for negative three yards on three targets. And Jones had two targets and allowed zero catches. Right. How about that for your top three secondary defenders? No, it's bad, okay? I mean, it's it's bad and, for Miami. And and the guy who took Isaiah Simmons' position, Mike Jones Jr., three targets, zero catches as well, just to add insult to injury in case you were wondering. So they had four guys, three guys that didn't allow a catch, and one guy whose one catch went for negative yardage. Yeah. Yeah. That this is brutal, guys. The, the defensive line outrageous. They were in the backfield all game. I mean, I will, I'll get to Miami in a second, but let's move to the other side of the ball. Travis Etienne, Brandon, I'm running out of words here. Uh, are you kidding me? Uh, great, great is what is what this is the word you're looking for, I believe. Um, I, I, I'm running out of just like I feel like we we you know we cover you know some of these top teams so much. Like, I'm just running out of stuff to describe Travis Etienne. Like, if we have new listeners, like, go back and listen. Like, I, I don't understand how this kid's so good. Like, yeah. the fact that one team can have Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence in the backfield is just absolutely unfair. He had more receptions than anybody else on this offense this weekend. He had one fewer yard than the leading receiver. And and then, I mean, he he has 150 yards on the ground. <laughs> like, like he usually – too. Usually as a running back, explosive. usually as a running back, you need to you need to choose one. I mean, you have the few that can that can do it in the air and on the ground. I mean, we see like the Alvin Kamara's of the world, and like you said before, he might be a better Alvin Kamara. I don't know, he might be. It's, hey, he's 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 growing the hair out too, so he's looking just like Alvin Kamara. He's just got to change his number to forty one. There we go. Um, Slow number. But, yeah, <laughs> I mean. I, I don't know, Brandon. I'm running out of words. He looks fast. He looks explosive, dynamic. And like you said, the reason I have him as the best running back in the country is, yes, Najee Harris is really good. He's probably the best pure running back in the country. But Travis Etienne can do more than any running back in the country. He's a better receiver than some of the best wide receivers in the country. Right. It, it doesn't make any sense. And, Brandon, like you said, Lawrence's streak lives on. He's now at 355 consecutive downs without throwing an interception. 
Um, remember that bet of 400 I sent you? I, I'm telling you, he probably should have taken it. This kid, he's built different. I don't, I don't even he's know. Bro. different. Yeah, another 70% completion percentage game, 292, 34 rushing yards, and four more total touchdowns. Right. And let me, let more, me say this about Clemson, though. They they need to maybe stop beating teams by so much because they're gonna they're gonna ruin uh, DJ Ulagali's uh, red shirt. He's not gonna get it. Right? Stop putting them in. Put put in some. Let Travis Etienne run quarterback for a little bit. They put him in for three plays. Why would you do like why? Why would you do that? Well, no, they aren't gonna burn the red shirt because they get an extra year of eligibility anyway. That's right. That's right. Okay, people forget. Yeah, but listen, Lawrence is on a record-setting pace, Brandon. I mean, I, I don't even know if the Hosman race is close. I know we have the Hosman segment later. We got some contenders and pretenders, but if I'm being real with you, I don't even know if anyone's in anywhere near where this kid is right now. Right. No, they're not. <laughs> 72% completion percentage for the entire year right now, Brandon. 14 total touchdowns, no turnovers. Yeah. Crazy. That just – Listen, he's solidifying his place as the greatest of all time. It's rapping right before your eyes, and people just like aren't realizing it when he when people he goes watching him. People just aren't watching the games anymore. And that's because they're not fun to watch because they're beating the the living, you know what, out of people. I mean, it's not even it's Brandon. It 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 was what twenty. 21 to three before they blocked that field goal and returned it before halftime. Which, by the way, is Dabo that confident? <laughs> Hang on, someone's got to check Dabo. Someone's just got to catch him around a corner and just jump him because he thought he could kick a sixty-three yard field goal. No, nah. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Bro, this dude is playing Madden on rookie mode. He's just like, nah, like there, there's there's the win, maybe I don't know. Like, like just Justin Tucker missed a he missed a sixty-one yarder today, and then Dabo was like, you know what, sixty-three yards, we got this. <laughs> And the kid's like career long was like forty. Like I don't know where he got it from. <laughs> I, I don't. Alabama can't find someone to make an extra point, and Dabo's confident enough in a sixty-three yarder. It's ridiculous. Oh man! But listen, Derek King, his demons finally surfaced. Brandon, it's the same demons that he had at Houston, and the hype train for the Canes is officially off the tracks. I mean, forty-three percent completion percentage, one twenty-one passing. 84 rushing yards, a touchdown, two interceptions. Brandon, against the blitz, was 42% completion percentage, eight yards, and one interception. Right. It's not a good look. And look crazy. Is that this, isn't even like, this isn't even like Miami's a bad team. Miami might finish 9-1 and one in the ACC, and, and, and like Clemson's just that good. Yeah. Because I, I think – North Carolina, Miami, Notre Dame, um, yeah, I think those are the three. All three of those teams could finish in the top 15. Yeah. And Cliffs is going to beat all of them by probably 30-plus points. That's so insane. And, you know, listen, King's going to take the fall here. I get it. He's the quarterback. Everything falls on him. Brennan, what was this rushing attack? Non-existent. That Cheney Jr., who had one carry – Cameron Harris and Jalen Knighton, who had one carry, combined for 11 rushing yards on 11 attempts. To be fair, they could not get anywhere. No, like, I mean, at all. Well, we've talked about the Hurricanes O line, but I, you know, I was, you know, I think our group message that we were talking about last night, I, I think Miami finally realized that Florida State and um, Louisville just aren't good. They're not, yeah. 
<laughs> Louisville got blown out by Georgia Tech this weekend. Right. And so Miami's realizing they haven't beat anybody worth a damn. And they walk in here thinking they're good. And this Hurricanes offensive line got just massacred by this front seven. And Brandon, before the season, the reason I went by in Miami is because their lack of wide receiving talent. I think that finally got exposed this weekend. It did. Outside, outside of Brevin Jordan, there is not a really good wide receiver on this team. There's, there's really not. Keyshawn Smith was their leading receiver because he had one reception for 42 yards. He doesn't even have a picture on ESPN. <laughs> like, huh? What? <laughs> oh, is he? Listen, Clemson's defense, Brandon, allowed 10 points because that field goal return really doesn't fall on the defense. They allowed 10 points because of a poor choice by Dabo. And listen, I, I might have a grudge. I told I, I've been trying to say Rhett Lashley's offense is not that good. He brought it to Auburn, had some good moments, but against the elite defensive coordinators, it doesn't work. It's Gus Malzahn's offense with another name, right? And Brent Venables and Dabo Sweeney have shown again that they're playing chess over checkers with the rest of the country. Man, I, you know, I texted you know my uncle who's in Clemson during the game. I was like, listen, I'm filing a report to get Clemson put in the NFL because I'm tired of y'all beating up kids like this. <laughs> it should be it's a yeah, it's disgusting. There's child abuse on ABC at six thirty right now. This is ridiculous. Like Trevor Lawrence should be playing in the NFL right now. This is not fair. Travis Etienne is forty five, running over running over children right now. I, yeah. You know, like so, Brady. Remember, like the old instant play games where you put it on rookie mode, and after like ten straight years of winning the national title, you'd have to restart it because you just got bored. I just want Dabo to like break instant play rules on purpose, just lose a bunch of scholarships, and just try to do it all over again. I would like to see that. Like start start over. Maybe maybe even start with Clemson, but like turn the sliders down and and try. Exactly. It. There you go. Yeah, like move to the SEC. I don't know. They beat everybody, but you know, like let's hang about this. Instead of the NFL, let's move to the CFL. The CFL. Like, <laughs> okay. it, I, I'm real confident that Clemson go undefeated in the CFL right now. I can see it. Or like, let's bring I, back NFL Europe and and put them there. There you go. I'm telling you, Mexico City wants a team, so why not? But listen, guys, on all on all actuality, I mean, I think Clemson, Brandon, right now. I, you know, we we're about to get into Alabama's defensive struggles. Uh, we're, we we talk about Florida's. Um, I don't remember who's fifth. Notre Dame. I don't not super confident. Them. They they were down to Florida State this weekend. Um, I I think Florida, not not Florida, Georgia and Clemson are the only two teams I'm completely I I think have good offensive and defensive units in the country right now. Uh, really and truly looking at it, are are you confident that any other team has? an offensive and defensive unit that can compete with Clemson or Georgia? Uh, no, absolutely not. I mean, those are the two. I, I, I mean, honestly, Clemson might just have the best, might have the most complete offense and defense in the country. Might leave Georgia out of this. It, it might just be Clemson. Yeah, I think they have the best overall. I, I just, I, I don't even know what to say, to be completely honest with you. I, I am so impressed with, how they've how they how they've played so far. I am I don't even know. But listen, Miami heads into a big matchup against Pitt next weekend in a highly, highly, I guess, important matchup for the ACC while Clemson travels to Georgia Tech against the red hot yellow jackets. But Brandon, I don't know if the yellow jackets gonna be too happy about what's gonna happen to them next weekend when Clemson comes rolling into town. 
Right. I guess we'll see. <laughs> but guys, we're moving on to our next segment. Um, SEC Madness is what we're going to call it. We can't cover every game in our pick six segment, but we're going to have to go ahead, break down some of the best, most exciting games this past weekend. The SEC claims to be the deepest conference. Well, some of that depth was put uh, to the test this weekend where some teams were lucky to were lucky to escape with a win. I'm going to call them struggle wins. And another was a little bit less lucky and suffered another loss this season. Brandon, let's go ahead, kick this off with the obvious one, number two, Alabama, and their escape from Oxford over the Ole Miss Rebels. What did you see here? Uh, well, I know that you said this is SEC madness. I like to call it uh, Big 12 East madness because there's no defense. Like, there's no defense to be found in the SEC. It's, it's so bad. I mean, I don't know. I, I was shocked when I saw um, – Ole Miss tie this game late at 42 points against Alabama in Oxford. I mean, they were rolling. They were scoring on every drive, man. It was just back and forth from the first quarter. I mean, every single quarter was just back and forth. And, uh, you know, it ended up being where Ole Miss couldn't, I guess, continue to do what they were doing. But I'm impressed. And now Nick Saban is claiming that Lane Kiffin stole signals and making a bunch of other excuses. But uh, be, be with that as you will. (laughs) <laughs> you're right uh, man I don't know it it, it wasn't a it was a bad performance for both defenses honestly but I mean this is kind of the sort of thing we expected out of Ole Miss at least their defense I mean we didn't expect them to hold Alabama under 50 points did we I mean I, I'm pretty sure that that I joked around before because you asked me about the over under for this game I want to say the over under was like 70 or something i was like well yeah gonna score 60 and well here we are they you know? did they did but Ole Miss also scored 50 <laughs> right so man <laughs> I, I don't know there, there has to be some kind of like defensive comp like like maybe like a uh like a getaway where where just a couple of sec defense coordinators all get together and and talk defense for for a weekend or something maybe like november 6 when half the conference is on bye week like we can just we can uh, I don't know maybe go to like Hoover to to like the headquarters and and just talk defense for a weekend, talk it out. <laughs> just yeah. hey, is everybody okay here? Like, are we good? Um, you know, Brandon. But I think this, like you said, this is more about Alabama's defense than Ole Miss's defense. It it's the same thing I said about Florida, Brandon. I mean, this offense may be a top five offense in the country. Mac Jones. Spectacular! Four incompletions for 417 yards. That's great. Najee Harris had five touchdowns this weekend. Yeah, and over 200 yards rushing. Right. So the offense is not an issue. I like, don't. No. Uh, come on. <laughs> if it were no. just offense, like we wouldn't. I don't know. I mean, I mean, if defense wasn't a part of the game, then Alabama. I mean, you're you're set. You're fine. But it is. Uh, Brandon, just uh, I guess this is your Aflac trivia question of the episode. Aflac, sponsor us if you want uh, this to keep going, I guess. But do you can you name the two SEC teams that haven't allowed 30-plus points this year? Oh, um, probably not, I guess. Uh, I know, obviously, Missouri, LSU have. Uh, Ole Miss has. Alabama has. For- Florida has. They, they, they allowed 42 this weekend, didn't they? Um, <laughs> it's like yeah they took that l i thought, I thought everyone had um mississippi state has uh this is tough uh auburn auburn is one auburn and georgia yep auburn and georgia are the only two sec teams not to allow 30 points in a game this year 
I mean, that's nuts. Mind blown. Hey, I, Auburn's, Auburn's trash, but hey, at least we haven't allowed 30 yet. I guess that's a positive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Uh-oh. it comes with the territory when you, when it's yeah. Kentucky and Arkansas and, and Georgia. I guess, Georgia I guess that's that a positive. Like, yeah. yeah, I guess that's a pot. We held Georgia under 30. That's, that's our key point. But, Brandon, uh, it, this defense is showing cracks. This is not good. Brandon, they allowed 31 first downs. Four for four on fourth downs and allowed 647 yards of total offense. Right. To Ole Miss. Yeah. yeah. That, that's ridiculous. Elijah Moore on fire, Kenny uh, Yaboa on fire, and Pete Goldie may be on the hottest seat in the country right now. And I am shocked Saban let him on the plane. Yeah, I am too. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I was on Alabama Twitter last night. I saw, I saw the tweets calling for his job. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe do it. I don't know. I'm not sure. I hope we, I hope no one knows where he lives because Alabama fans are crazy. They're <laughs> going to keep him up all night. Pete Golding, save yourself. Go. Get out of town. I'm sure LSU will trade uh, Bo Pelini for you. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe. I, w- I would support that. <laughs> but listen, Nick Saban is going to have to find a solution because there's going to be some offenses coming in town. And, man, Georgia – if you can't stop Ole Miss, how in the world do you expect to stop Georgia? I, you won't. You won't be able to at all. No. I mean, it's it's good. I'm telling you, the over under for that game needs to be 150. You said it earlier. I I'm I'm fully in. I'm committed. I mean, and listen, Najee Harris is um uh, on fire. A uh, really good elite. I, I I honestly can't say enough about him. I mean, 23 carries over 200 yards, five rushing touchdowns. Ole Miss has zero answers for this guy. Brandon, I don't think there there's not a running back with his size, speed, and patience in the country. I mean, it makes him a hard matchup to, to really stop ever. I mean, 63 points in an SEC game is outrageous. Yeah. That is. There was a point in the fourth quarter, Brandon, watching this back and forth where I was like, have they even faced the third down yet? Has a team dropped a pass? Has there been a fumble? Like, has has anybody made any hiccup on the offensive side of the ball? No. (laughs) It was, I've never seen, I've not seen an Alabama defense play this bad in a long time. I mean, this was, this was rough. And, Listen, I, I know Alabama right now, Brandon, I still think they're probably the best team in the SEC. Them and Georgia are right there. I guess we'll find out next week who's the best team in the SEC. But if they, you're going to win a national championship, this defense is going to have to be fixed. Yeah, you, exactly. You, you can't allow 13 yards per pass against Ole Miss. Matt Corral simply cannot pass for 365 <laughs> yards on, you, on your defense. And, and I, I don't even know. They didn't even do this to the Florida defense. Right. I don't know. Uh, I'm mind blown. But, guys, like I said, Alabama, they are uh, headed into a huge matchup against Georgia next week at in Tuscaloosa while Ole Miss heads to Arkansas to face the red-hot Razorbacks. That should be 2-1 and one right now. And speaking of that, Brandon, let's move to Auburn, Alabama, where – I think the number thirteen Auburn Tigers, you know, stole this one with a thirty wow, to twenty eight win. What an um, upset! Uh, win, mm. <laughs> but guys, Felipe Franks, the man, twenty two for thirty, Brandon, three eighteen and four touchdowns. Right. That the 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 dude came to play. Can we can we talk about it? Can we talk about it? Talk about what? Uh, about the about the Bo Nix fumble. 
Go ahead. To, uh, update everyone who might not have caught the game, Brandon. So Go if ahead. you didn't watch this game, uh, w- with <laughs> on Auburn's final drive, whenever they were like, you know what, you know, we should probably win a football game against Arkansas. Uh, they were trying to clock the ball, and so Bo Nix muffs a snap. I mean, they're down. They're down by a point at this at, at this time. By the way, uh, what is it? There's like 30 seconds left in the game, Zach. When, yeah. when, yeah. when this disaster happens, he muffs a snap, drops it on the ground. Then is like, oh, I really probably should spike this ball. Turns, I mean, he makes a total 180, and then throws the ball behind him, and it's somehow just not a fumble. Uh, how, yeah, is that, so, how is that not a fumble? Okay, so the SEC came out with a statement. I bet uh, they did. It was like out after the game. So. So just to update you guys, I did a lot of research on this as an Auburn fan. So once you muff a snap, you cannot spike the ball uh, because it would be intentional grounding after you Which muff it. It was, so it was intentional it was, grounding. That's what they called they it. Call, yeah, they called it intentional grounding. Well, after Nick's threw the ball behind them, they said it was a fumble. They they claimed it was a fumble. They got oh, that right. Good. But, but since the ref blew the whistle after Nick's clocked the ball, the play is dead at that point. And so afterwards, um, an Arkansas defender jumps on the ball. It squirts out. An Auburn player jumps on it. It squirts out of his arms. And then after the ref's trying to grab the ball, an Arkansas player picks it up and hands it to the ref. Well, they said that was not a clear, immediate recovery, which it wasn't. It's not clear and immediate. And so the rule says that if the whistle blows, there has to be an immediate, clear recovery, which there wasn't, which is why Arkansas didn't get the ball. After it squirted between two people's hands and the play was blown dead. Quit, so everyone quit saying squirted. Quit saying squirted. That's disgusting. <laughs> not on my podcast. Um, uh, your podcast? But, no, I mean, it, it, it was a backhaul. So the ref blowing the whistle is what cost Arkansas the game. That's that's what it comes down to. So whatever ref blew the whistle, you're fired. The Blue Bloods have fired you. Suspend them. There you go. But man, this this game was this game was brutal. I you know as an Auburn fan, I I don't even know what to say. I mean, I watched most of the game. I guess I was back and forth between uh, this game and some others. But I'm upset with how they played. Bo Nix only throwing for 187. Not great. If there's a bright spot for Auburn, Brandon, it's Tank Bigsby, the true freshman running back. I mean, he had 146 yards of uh, rushing. He um, was, the, I think, the second or third leading receiver on the team. I mean, Tank Bigsby was the only player who deserves a scholarship from this Auburn team. <laughs> I mean, he looked to really be, good. Bo Nix, yeah, he's not technically Bo Picks this week, but he's Bo Miss is what he is. Yeah. Yeah, because he didn't have a passing touchdown. He had a running touchdown um, early in the second quarter. But that was really it. And listen, Auburn was in complete control of this game early. 17 to nothing. Arkansas makes it close at the end of the second quarter. But Auburn's up by two scores with like, I think it's 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Yeah, he had a passing touchdown. Did he? Yeah, in the fourth quarter. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he threw it to Schwartz. I, I've totally blanked on that. Uh, yeah, and, and you're an Auburn fan. This is yeah. Listen, I am so done with this season. I am over Auburn football right now. Gus Malzahn needs to go. The players need to go. Uh, I'm telling you, Bo Nix is not going to be the starting quarterback next year. And if he is, I'm going to be upset. Okay. I, I'm, I'm going to put my application out for bandwagon fan. I'm going to be a Clemson fan. Um, I don't know. Is, is there any room in LSU? Well, I don't know if you'd be a bandwagon fan <laughs> at this point. Oh, man. But listen, guys, Auburn, um, 
I, I don't know. Auburn's trash. They dropped in the rankings even after a win. That should tell you what the voters thought about that. Wasn't a win. They're on, they're on the road next week at South Carolina. Uh, probably going to lose that game. Um, and, you know, Arkansas, they're going to face Ole Miss in what should be a really good game, actually, because both of those teams are playing really well. But we're going to move on. Last matchup we're going to cover here, and it's one that's close to Brandon's heart here. The LSU Tigers uh, lose to the Missouri Tigers on the road, 45-41. Brandon, how did this happen? What happened? Let our listeners know since this game was on SEC alternate. Uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> it is, it is not going to talk about it. No, I mean, what's there to talk about? I mean, it, I mean, L- LSU was up twenty, what twenty four fourteen in the second quarter. That's that's good. Yeah, and I, I was I was feeling I was feeling confident in that point in time, and I don't know why, uh, because the, the second I start feeling confident is when bad things start happening, and so yeah, that's exactly what happened. And look, honestly, this game shouldn't have been that close. Uh, the only reason it was is because Missouri had three turnovers. One of them was on downs. I get it, whatever. But I mean, they had a muffed punt that was that was picked up within the twenty. Um, and, and what was it? it? Was I think it was like a fumble recovery for LSU. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know. I mean, they they should have won by more. In all honesty, I mean, if they didn't have those turnovers, this game's ugly. I mean, it's ugly probably fairly early. So. I don't know. Um, I, I think I've decided at this point that uh, I'm kind of rooting for LSU to lose every game this season, like every other game, because it's kind of fun to be a fan of the losing team, like a really bad losing team. Like, like if you're a fan of Vanderbilt, I bet you're having the best time ever because you just don't care anymore. But like, you can't be a fan of a team that's like kind of bad because then that you know that's not fun. I'm gonna be a fan regardless. Whatever, who cares? But. Man, this LSU defense has to figure it out. They really, really do because you can't put a second of blame. I well, I was gonna say you can't put a second of blame on this offense, but you kind of can it, when they go over ten on third I was down. Just, I was about to ask you that they, they rushed for two point five yards per rush and went over ten on third down. Dude, man, the running game could not get it done whatsoever. Miles Brennan played out of his mind, but that's against a yeah. Missouri defense. So, uh, well, I mean that with what Brandon, you hear me out. I've already said let's put one wide receiver for Florida at running back. What what if we just put a re, uh, I mean Eric Gilbert at running back? Ah, dude, that would be kind of cool. It, he disappeared too, though, Zach. I mean, yeah, he, down the stretch. I mean, it between the first and fourth quarters, he just like he was nowhere to be found. Um, you know, he was hurt. You know, it's not like he was just on the field. I mean, he wasn't. He was legitimately not playing. He uh, he hurt his shoulder, I believe. And so he comes back into the game after the first quarter with nine minutes left in the game. And, I mean, he's the target. I mean, he's, he's obviously a huge target, but not as huge as Terrace Marshall Jr., who is just – I mean, I don't want to say one of the best wide receivers in the country, but he probably is. No, I think you could say that. I mean, 11 catches, 235, three touchdowns, and he's been putting up stats in every single game. I mean, what, he has four over 400 yards receiving already seven touchdowns? Yeah, I mean, the kid's, the kid's a and monster. He, and he's averaging over 20 yards per catch for the season. Right. That's pretty good, B-Dub. I don't feel like it's as bad as you're, th- as you're thinking. There's uh, nothing good, Zach. Nothing, nothing's good right now, okay? All right, so we have to talk before we wrap this up about the goal line stand to end this game. Oh, my right gosh. Um, 
I have to ask, as someone who was watching the goal line stand and is, uh, I guess, a neutral fan, because I actually really wanted LSU to win because I really didn't want Missouri to win this game. But uh, what was the play calling? Um, non-existent. Uh, m- most importantly, what was that third down play call? What was that? That that little well, drop hey, off pass they, to Marshall. Yeah, at least they tried to. At least they tried to get it to Marshall because that was the playmaker you had to get it to. And they tried that on third and fourth down, but yeah. Man. But I mean, he just threw it too low. The defensive end was right there. Like, if you're going to throw it right over the defensive end like that, and like a little swing pass, you have to chop them, right? Uh, yeah, um, or, or cut them. Yeah, you don't. You won't want to chop that guy. Well, not chop him, but like, yeah, cut him. You want to like get his hands down at least. Yeah, no, you, the offensive you do. tackle didn't even touch him. Yeah, and, and you know it was. Well, that's not Austin Deculus. Austin Deculus is on the right tackle. But um, I don't know, man. I, I have no excuses for that then. Yeah. I, I was going to say Austin Deculus was hurt earlier in the game. But, <laughs> yeah. the, the bad part was is that um, the I, I don't think it's – I don't mind third or fourth down because, like, you're trying to get to your playmakers. But you can't run the ball all game. You try to run right up the middle. You get stuffed. You go into hurry up and run the exact same play. I mean, that was that was awful. I don't know what that – and, and – and the thing that makes me really mad about that is that their leading rusher in this game was uh, Tyrion Davis-Price with 38 yards total. And then you decide, you know what, he's going to push it in. Or I can't even remember if it was him on the goal line. I, I think it was. Um, anyway, I mean, I don't, I don't know why you do that. I mean, I don't understand why you try to push it in from – I get it. The half yard line, yeah, you should be able to do that with a big back, and he is a big back. He's two hundred and thirty pounds. He should be able to push that in, but you don't. You see it not work one time, and then you see the defense line right back up with ten men in the box again, and then you just try the same exact play for like a loss of two yards. I mean, that, that's terrible. It's a bad play call, but I mean, I'm sure Brandon's ready to get rid of um, Bo Pelini right now. I don't know. I don't know how he makes it for another season, Brandon. I, don't, I really don't. I, I honestly don't know how he made it past this weekend. I really, really don't. Especially, I mean, you think it, he should be fired after what, four games? He's been fired before, so I mean, maybe. Um, I don't. I don't know why he came back. Um, that's tough. Four games. That's that's Zach, Have you seen this defense over the four games? Oh no, no! I definitely have seen it. I got you. I, so, I got what you mean. Okay, I, okay. I give him. I give him half a season. Is if if I'm an LSU booster, and if if I'm if I'm people are legitimately trying to get this man fired. Like they were trying to get him fired week one against Mississippi State, and I was like, oh, pump the brakes, <laughs> well, dude. You lose against Mississippi State and then Missouri, and your offense is putting up over 40, uh, 40 points a game. I, I mean. If you if you score forty one points in a game, you have to win that game. And if you don't, it's on your defense. I think it's I, I think it's lower than that. I mean, I think if you allow, well, I, I forgot what like the uh, rule of thumb is, but like some say it's like thirty, some say it's twenty. Like your defense shouldn't be able to allow over thirty points. That's what I'm saying. Like like and against Missouri, dude. I mean, yeah. uh, I don't know. Like you can't, I mean, you can't be making uh, KJ Costello look like a Heisman uh, Trophy winner, and then he gets benched this weekend against Kentucky. Against Kentucky, <laughs> you can't make Connor Basilek look like a Heisman contender with 406 yards and four touchdowns. And he only had what, like seven incompletions or something like that. 
he had five incompletions, Zach. That's, tough. <laughs> That's real tough. That's so bad. bad. Uh, and so, just looking at LSU's schedule, they travel to Florida next week to face Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask. We're pretty good. Um, South Carolina just put up a bunch of yards um, in uh, their game against Florida. You have Auburn, who you have to travel to face in Jordan here. That's going to be a battle of horrible teams. Then you got Alabama coming oh. to Tiger Stadium oh, with man. those set of wide receivers. And then you still have to go to Kyle Field and face Texas A&M. And you got that Ole Miss offense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, th- this is uh, LSU's got to turn around, but listen, if there's any coach in the country that I think can rally his team up for some big games, it's Coach O. Yeah. I, I really I think so. I, if, if there's a coach in the country that can save this, I think it's him, Brandon. I really do. Uh, I look, think he has full control of this team. I'm not saying that a win against Vanderbilt was like, hey, we fixed anything because it's Vanderbilt and we've seen Vanderbilt play every week this season. Um, but you can't tell me that this team didn't look just, I mean, miles better than they did against Mississippi State against Vanderbilt. I'm hoping this kind of loss, this embarrassing loss against Missouri, um, kind of kicks something into them. I, I'm not saying they're going to beat Florida. I I guess I don't know if we're going to preview this game or not. Probably not. I don't know if that's going to be a good enough game to preview, but uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point. And I hate to give anything away, but man, I, I, I just, I, in a perfect world, I guess I could see if LSU played a perfect game, I see them beating Florida. But in any other circumstance, man, it's 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 going to be tough. It's gonna oh be no, so we're definitely we're definitely covering that game. That's going to okay. be one of the best <clears throat> best games of the weekend. We're we're going to cover that, guys. We're bringing you all the content. But that's a wrap on this SEC madness segment. We've kept y'all around here forever. We got one last segment. It's the Hosman Watch segment revamp for y'all. We're just going to break down the top five or so players that ESPN and other I guess publications have tapped as the top Heisman candidates right now. We're going to tell you guys if they're contenders or pretenders and why. So, Brandon, let's start out with one that we saw late last night. Mac Jones for Alabama quarterback. He's been having probably one of the best seasons for an Alabama quarterback in a while. 79% completion percentage, 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns, only one interception. His quarterback rating is over 220 right now. So do you think he is a contender or pretender for the Hosman Trophy? Man, he's absolutely a contender. Uh, I don't see how you could argue against that. You know, I, I mean, I'm not saying that he is better than Tua when Tua is at full strength. But he's better than Tua was last season. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's I don't think that's arguable. I mean, so far this season, he has looked incredible. Um, wh- what did you say he had? He had three incomplete passes or four incomplete passes yesterday night or two yeah, nights he, ago. If you're listening on Monday, yep. So, I mean, just he only had two, and for the season, Brandon, he he's sixty six for eighty three. Like that? That seems like it shouldn't be allowed. And he's second in the NCAA, which is outrageous that he's second. And I don't want to crown him just yet, just because, I mean, this Alabama team, uh, uh, maybe their toughest um, opponent so far has been Ole Miss. So I don't want to crown him just yet. But let's, let's wait one more week until they play Georgia. I want to see how he plays against that defense. But I, yeah, think, he's, I, I think he's a legit contender for now. I, I do, too. I think he's a contender. I mean, any time that you have almost 80% completion percentage, over a 1,000 yards in just a handful of games, and you're averaging thirteen over 13 yards per completion, that's, that's stout, man. You're not turning the ball over. Yes, he has a lot of help with his wide receivers, but 
can you name a Hosman Trophy winning quarterback that didn't have any help? No. Uh, I, you have Cam to Newton. rely on your – yeah, that's true. But <laughs> that's a good one. I, I would I, For some reason, I overlooked that one. But, yeah, guys, I think Mac Jones is absolutely a contender. And if he beats Florida – I mean, Georgia this weekend and has a big game, I think you can mark him down as almost a guarantee to get to New York unless something outrageous happens and he has, like, a big game. Uh, that's you always have to have that Hosman winning moment, and if you beat the number three team in the country, and ha- and it's due to your performance, I think that's plenty that you need. But Brandon, another SEC guy who has a lot of, I guess, support here is is your tight end Kyle Pitts for the Florida Gators. I I know that he's probably not going to win the Hosman, Brandon, but could he? get an invite. He has 17 catches, 274, seven touchdowns. He's averaging 16 yards per catch. Is there any way Kyle Pitts is a contender for the Hosman Trophy here? I wish you would have asked me a different day because uh, the day after they they drop a game to Texas A&M and he had, what, five catches? Um, I mean, he didn't have like a great game. He disappeared, like we said. Um, uh, I think he's a really good player. Don't get me wrong. Do I think that he's going to be invited to New York? And do I think that he's going to be a legitimate contender for the Heisman Trophy? No. In that aspect, I guess he's a pretender. Um, he but Don't get me wrong by any means. He's the best tight end in college football right now, I think. Uh, but no, he, he's, he's a Heisman pretender. Yeah, I, I think so too. Plus, now his health's a little bit in doubt. Um, Brad, I don't know if you knew this, but the reason he wasn't really a factor in the game is because he apparently has a left foot injury right now. Not great. And that his and his availability for LSU is in question this weekend. Oh, so oh that's, my gosh, please. I, I don't want any player to ever be hurt. You. Good Lord. <laughs> well, I have him as a pretender, too. I just think his position, it you have to play almost perfect games week in and week out to win it as a non-quarterback. And I think this weekend's already knocked him out of it, Brandon. As sad as that might be, as tough as that may be, to win it as a wide receiver slash tight end, you have to play flawless. Oh, yeah. And I think he's a Absolutely. he's a pretender all the way. And let's talk about uh, – let's move to the ACC here, Brandon. We have De'Aaron King from Miami. I know he had a bad performance, but he's still completing 61% of his passes, 854 yards, six passing touchdowns, two interceptions, plus 240 rushing and two rushing touchdowns. Is he a contender or pretender for the Hosman Trophy? Oh, that's so tough. <laughs> you're, you're really putting me – you're really making this one difficult. I'm going to go with pretender for De'Aaron King as well. Um I don't know. He, he's definitely very fun to watch, uh, but we've seen a lot of very fun to watch players not win the Heisman Trophy because they aren't because their team maybe isn't at the same levels as other teams, or maybe they aren't uh, putting up the same numbers as as other players are in the air. I mean, r- in recent years, what have we seen? We've seen like the passing leaders <laughs> go win the Heisman Trophy. So, um, if he can really step it up and, and maybe have more passing yards, then sure. But through four games, I mean, 800 yards, uh, 200 yards a game, it, it seems fairly average to me. So I'm going to go with Pretender. I'm also going with Pretender. I, I think this weekend showed exactly what he is. And I don't, I, I, I don't think I – think, so I don't think Miami's going to have the games to prove that he's a contender. I mean, looking at the schedule, like, yeah, UNC is going to be big, Notre Dame, all that, but I don't think he's going to have that moment. And I think this weekend was his moment to really make him a contender. And I think he shrunk in the biggest moment. Right. Uh, There's no way you have the game he had with 40% completion percentage and all that. And you 
compete for the Heisman Trophy. And I think it's over for right now for Derrick King. I could be proven wrong later in the season, but I think he's a pretender. And finally, we have two last quarterbacks. One, I'm really interested to see what Brandon thinks. We have Kyle Trask, the other part of Kyle to Kyle in this, you know, relationship down in Gainesville. 71% completion percentage, 996 yards, 14 touchdowns and one interception. Brandon, is Trask a contender or a pretender? He's a contender. He's a legitimate contender. And I don't want to hear the people who are, who might be listening to this podcast going, oh, he has 900 yards. Uh, you just said Derek King had, isn't a real contender because he only has 800 yards. Kyle Trask has played one fewer game than, than uh, Miami has. Miami's played four games. Florida's played three. Kyle Trask, I mean, watch any of his games. He looks incredible. I mean, he looked incredible this weekend, and, and they lost the game. And I don't think that's the offense's fault again. But, um, no. no, he's he's a legitimate contender. And, and man, and, and I don't want to say he has less talent than Alabama, but he, he does. <laughs> he has Kyle Pitts, and, and he has he has a few other pieces, but he doesn't have the same receivers, the same uh, threats that Alabama has. Offensive line, <laughs> running right. game. Right. Give Najee Harris to Kyle, Kyle Trask, and we'll talk. But, I mean, Brandon, he's second in the incident of play in passing touchdowns right now with less games than almost anybody. Right. I, I think he's an absolute contender. He's going to have that Georgia game to have his Heisman moment. He could have an SEC championship game against Alabama. He has his game this weekend against LSU. Uh, he has the moments to get back in this race. One loss isn't going to kill him. He played well in that loss. The loss wasn't on him. It was on that defense. I think Kyle Trask absolutely right now as a contender. And I think he is a real, real threat for this uh, Heisman Trophy. But, Brandon, we have the obvious one. We had to cover him, though, because it's just a formality. We have Trevor Lawrence, 72% completion percentage, over 1,100 yards, 10 touchdowns, no interceptions, plus those four rushing touchdowns. I'm a, if you Listen, is he a, pretend, is he a contender or a contender? Because there's no pretender <laughs> with Trevor Lawrence. He's a contender. That was this was the stupidest one out of all. I understand it's a formality, but yeah, we had to listen. And I don't even have for my like verdict in my notes. I just have winner. I think he's a guarantee winner already, unless something drastic happens. I I I said before the season he was my husband pick. I thought they were going to give it to him just based off like career achievement formality. I, I, and I think he's showing that he's the best quarterback in the country right now. And I think he is he's going to put up stats that are going to pretty much make this a non segment after a few weeks. Like we're going to get to like week 10 or 11 and be like, why we even have this segment. Trevor Lawrence is going to win the Hosman. Right? No, I, I agree. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous, but guys, that's a wrap on this episode, man. We appreciate y'all tuning in, man. And like an hour and a half of content for you guys, man, it's been a wild week six. So we had to get all that info in for you guys. So rate, like, subscribe to the podcast. You can find us anywhere. You just, Find your preferred podcast platform. Check us out there. You can find us on YouTube, the Blue Blood CFP podcast. Y'all got y'all have been killing YouTube for us. We shout out to you guys for that. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube, um, and you catch all our episodes on there. We got live streams coming up. Uh, it, we're in the work for some guests, so I'll get back to y'all on that. Our website, thebluebloodspod.com. Check that out as well. Man, we are back. Uh, what was it? Thursday with a week seven preview, man. I, this season's flying by beat up. Um, but we got a loaded, loaded week of college football coming up for you guys. 
biggest game of the weekend, Bama, Georgia. That's on the that's on the slate. Florida LSU, one of the biggest robberies. That's on the slate. So make sure to tune in next week as well. Tell your coworkers, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your tell your girlfriend, whatever. Let's just make sure they listen to the Blue Bloods. We got all your college football content twice a week. But for right now, we are out.